In sports, they say numbers never lie, but odds are they do. Sam Steinmeier, Brady Archer, and host Andrew Botwinick are about to go against the grain this week as we make our day-to-day picks. All views and opinions expressed in today's show do not reflect KZLX, KNWT, or Northwest Missouri State University. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. And we're back here on Day-to-Day Picks. Andrew Botwinick, Sam Steinmeier, and Brady Archer. We're going to jump now into the NFL. We got the Thursday night game tonight, Bucks at Panthers. Panthers opened up as a five-and-a-half-point favorite coming off of a loss, a three-point loss to the L.A. Rams, who are the defending NFC representatives for the for the Super Bowl. It was a close one, 30-27. Cam Newton showed that he, he can still throw the ball. He had 38 attempts on a shoulder that was questionable all last year, 239 yards, no touchdowns and interception. Christian McCaffrey was the big name to come out of this game, though. He had 29 total touches, 19 carries, 10 receptions, 81 receiving 128 rushing, as well as two touchdowns on the ground. And then you flip now to the other side of that game, Tampa Bay against 49ers in their first game. San Francisco, two pick sixes against Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, 194 yards. A touchdown, but he did have three picks, as we mentioned, two of them being returned for a pick six. Chris Godwin showing a little bit of himself in there, three catches, 53 yards, and a touchdown. Is this going to be another game where Tampa Bay, you're looking at, quarterback coach on the hot seat running back even potentially on the hot seat is this going to be a blowout for carolina i don't know if it's going to be a blowout uh but i do think carolina will win this game i mean cam newton i mean all he has to really do is dump it off to or hand it to christian mccaffrey and he can do some special things with the football in his hand i just don't think this tampa bay team is talented enough i mean you know you look at a running back ronald jones he only had he had 13 carries or 75 yards, but no touchdowns. And, you know, Jameis Winston, his struggles have continued. You said three interceptions, two picks, hits, is only 194 yards. That's And against a 49ers defense who is, you know, pretty good, they're kind of building the pieces up for a run uh, maybe later down the line. And they play a team now, Carolina, who, you know, has Luke Keekley and is one of the best defenses in the NFL I think this game will be a struggle for Tampa and I am right there with you I think I think this Carolina team I mean I they're I don't think that they'll be a team that's gonna blow anybody out really I think I think they're gonna limit what Cam Newton does with the football I think they're gonna use Christian McCaffrey as much as they can I, he's one of the he's one of the best running backs we have in this league and I th- I'm pr- I think that the Panthers will come away with this one I th- it's one of the Buccaneers are coming off one of the worst defensive seasons in NFL history, much like the Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to go with the Panthers. I don't know if it'll be a blowout by the way the scoreboard looks, but I think they'll handle them pretty easy. I think another thing too is Cam Newton did have those 38 passing attempts, but he only had one of those being a pass further than 20 yards. So the shoulder might be back, but and obviously it, play calling is is an option for this as well. But having that kind of short pass mentality where Alex Smith almost offense style where you you throw short passes you throw screens having Christian McCaffrey in the backfield is is a huge bonus to that but that could be something to keep an eye on as well I'm going to pick the Panthers in this one I don't think it's going to be close I think the Buccaneers are are still a a young team they're they're trying to find their image um, as to who they are and I think that's why I'm picking Carolina over that five and a half point spread We'll jump now into the noon games. First game we're going to cover is the Cardinals at the Ravens. Ravens open up as, I believe, an 8.5-point favorite. I'm not sure if that's still changed. The Cardinals 
tie their first game against Detroit 27-27. Kyler Murray leading a pretty phenomenal comeback. He started the game really sloppy, didn't look great, and then towards the end of that game, the latter half of that game, he started to make the throws he needed to make. He relied on the players he should have trusted. They just couldn't get it done in overtime, and I think against Matthew Stafford and a a Detroit Lions-led team, that's something to keep an eye on. You flip over to the Ravens. The Ravens played the Dolphins in the first week, so they almost had a bye week. Mm-hmm. 59-10 to 10 win. Lamar Jackson looked phenomenal. He proved that he can throw the ball. He was 17 of 20, 324 yards, five touchdowns. But the, the big key of this game was Marquise Brown's first game. He was on the field for 12 snaps, had four catches for 147 yards and two touchdowns. And then you had Mark Ingram, who, who's new to this, this Ravens offense, 14 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns. Is this more them playing a poor Miami team, or are the Ravens truly an offensive powerhouse? And we'll kind of get more into that topic later, but in terms of this game, Ravens-Cardinals is going to be, I believe, a home game for the Ravens. Is it going to be a close game still? I I think that this this one might be close. I think Kyler Murray keeps it close. I, I don't know for sure if he's going to be the guy there. I mean, for now, at least he is. We know that. I'm, I'm more interested in this game to see if Lamar Jackson can do what he did against the Dolphins against somebody that's not the Dolphins. Like, I'm, I, I was skeptical over him to come into the year, and he definitely proved me wrong for at least week one. I want to see if he can keep that consistent over three, four, five weeks. Yeah, and uh, the line is uh, now at 13 in favor of the Ravens. So, I mean, the odds makers thinking that uh, this Baltimore offense uh, is pretty good. I don't know if it'll be a a two-touchdown game. I think this game will probably stay close. Uh, I do think that the Ravens will have a good offensive game. I think Lamar Jackson is a good quarterback I don't think he's a running back like everyone says and he even though it was against the Dolphins he showed that he still put the passes where they needed to be and you know if he does start to struggle they have a good running back in Mark Ingram that uh can carry the load so I think it'll definitely be close uh, or closer than probably the spread says I think maybe around 10 points uh but I think the Ravens take this and I, I, I sorry. No, you're good. You're good. I agree with you. I think the Ravens will pull this one out too. I, I think the scoreboard might have it as a little bit closer game, but I think ultimately, much like the Panthers, I think they'll keep a hold of the game the whole four quarters, and I think they'll take it. I'm agreeing with the panel, but I'm also going to take the the Ravens playing a much closer game against the Cardinals. I think Kyler Murray in his second week is going to show a little bit more of that confidence on the offense. They're having that that new style of offense that Cliff Kingsbury is trying to bring in that has already been brought in. Um, the Ravens are still going to play phenomenal. I think the big thing is they're not going up against a Miami defense. I think they're going to come down to earth. I don't think they're going to score more than 50, and we'll get into that later with our what are the odds. We'll flip to a second game uh, going on at noon, Chargers at Lions. Lions, as we mentioned, tied last week with the Cardinals 27-27 after overtime. Another game that went into overtime, the Chargers and Indianapolis Colts. We'll get more into why that game went into overtime or who could have prevented that. But a 30-24 to overtime win for the Chargers. Austin Eckler with a walk-off touchdown in overtime. Phillip Rivers, 333 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Eckler able to do it all. He had 96 yards receiving, two touchdowns receiving, another 58 on the ground, and another touchdown as well. 
Keenan Allen looked looked healthy, eight catches, 123 yards. The biggest key coming out of this this week is Hunter Henry, who is going to be out. Um, he's had some knee injuries in the past, and it looks like he's going to continue having those knee injuries. He's probably going to be out four to six weeks with with that type of injury. Is that going to affect this Chargers offense going up against this Detroit Lions team? I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna affect it a little bit because you know Hunter Henry is a good tight end, probably one of the better tight ends in the league but still you still have Keenan Allen uh Mike Williams right now is questionable but you still have him uh and of course Austin Eckler he can do it all he's kind of the do it all back now for the Chargers since Melvin Gordon is holding out uh I think uh the spread right now is two and a half in favor of the Chargers I think that is a little bit too close uh considering these teams I think that you know Detroit tied with the Cardinals and the Chargers beat the Colts who I think is better than the Cardinals, and I think it'll be a touchdown game, seven points to maybe ten, uh, but uh, I think that the Chargers take this game and take the points too. Yeah, it's interesting to – I mean, Hunter Henry is a nice piece to have on any offense really, but I think the most important injury question that the Chargers have right now is Mike Williams, and I, th- I think if you have Mike Williams on the field, I think that just helps out Keenan Allen so much because he can't draw double teams and you have to worry about two receivers rather than one. So I think I think that's the biggest injury that should be I mean, you should be concerned about if you're the Chargers. That being said, I think this game I th- I think the Chargers will handle it fairly easy. Um last week was a I mean, it was questionable showing against the Colts, but also the Colts looked didn't look like a bad team like a lot of people thought they would be. And Detroit has to be a little bit, a tad bit embarrassed about what happened that second half against the Cardinals. So I'm going to take the Cardinals, or excuse me, I'm going to take the Chargers here, and I think they're going to win it pretty easily. I, I think, yeah, the Chargers definitely should come into this 0-1, and, and we'll get more into that uh, later on with Adam Minitari. But it's it's going to be a close game. You, you have the Lions coming off of a 27-27 tie with – statistically the worst team in the NFL because they had the number one pick this upcoming offseason, this last offseason. Lions are going to want to come in to prove something that's at home for them. The Chargers are coming to them. It's a two-and-a-half point spread, but I'm still going to pick the Chargers. I think the Chargers, even without Hunter Henry, they didn't have him all last year. He, he brings a lot to the offense like what Brady mentioned, but I don't think they really need him in terms of it's that next-man-up mentality. They really haven't had any other big names other than Keenan Allen Obviously, Melvin Gordon holding out is crucial to that offense, but it looks like Austin Eckler's been able to come in and pick up the slack immediately, and I think I'm going to agree with the panel. We're, both, we're all picking the Chargers on this one. We kind of hinted before the break that someone is on record watch in this Chiefs-Raiders game. It's actually Derek Carr. He is 81 yards away from being the all-time Raiders passing leader. He's going to pass over Ken Stabler, I would imagine, in this game, assuming he gets the 81 yards. Interestingly, Ken Stabler played for nine years for the for the Raiders. Derek Carr is about to do it in five years. Behind him is Rich Gannon, I believe. Quite, quite a marginal difference between those guys as well. Chiefs-Raiders, it's going to be a home game for Oakland, probably the last home game. It will be the last home game in this series against the Chiefs. Both of these teams want to know the Raiders sneaking out a win uh, against Denver at home. Chiefs on the road, as we mentioned, against the Jaguars, getting a convincing 40-26 to win. Kansas City opens as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm sure it's probably adjusted just a little bit. 
Um, but for some reason, as we mentioned, divisional games always seem to play a little bit closer uh, depending on these teams, and the Chiefs Raiders are no exception in this. Yeah, uh, right now it has gone up a little bit. It's seven points now, so half a point. And in this game, uh, I'm looking at the injury report on ESPN. The only one on the Chiefs is Tyreek Hill, so, and that is a big one. But Oakland, uh, one uh, area where they're going to struggle, the secondary, Jonathan Abram, uh, that's a big loss for them. Uh, he was a, a highly touted pick. And I think he was one of their three first-round picks. So uh, Patrick Mahomes might find – he's probably going to find some holes in that Oakland secondary. But I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think because Kansas City usually, when they go into the Coliseum, they struggle. And I do think that Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's going to get his yards. Sammy Watkins had an amazing game last game against the Jaguars, uh, 198 yards, three touchdowns. I think they're going to hone in on Sammy Watkins and uh, look for guys like McCall Hardman or uh, Byron Pringle, those kind of guys to get more playing time and more looks. But I think the Chiefs take this. I'm going to be right with you there. I'm going to take the Chiefs. I I do think this will be closer. I mean, you make a good point when you say the Chiefs go to Oakland a lot and they, I mean, they tend to struggle, especially early in the season there. I think Patrick Mahomes is enough to get the job done, even on one leg. Um, Tyreek Hill being out, that that hurts, but I think the Chiefs showed last week that it doesn't hurt that bad. It's the next man up mentality (laughs) night. I'm right there with you. You look at this historic rivalry between these two like we did with with the Packers and the Vikings. Chiefs lead this one 65-53-2, so similar to what the Packers-Vikings was, uh, Chiefs have won the last two straight. Uh, 40 to 33 in Oakland last year, coming off of the news of Kareem Hunt at Kansas City. They, they handily win that game 35 to 3. The year before in 2017, that's when it gets interesting. The Raiders win that one 31 30 in Oakland. Chiefs win theirs 26 15. And then before that, the Chiefs sweep in 2016 and 2015. And then back in 2014, it gets a little bit interesting as well. Coming into 2019's game, it's going to be a little interesting. Both these teams coming in 1 0. The Chiefs' offensive line needs to play marginally better than they did in the first in that first game. Patrick Mahomes cannot take nearly as many hits as he did in that first game to be able to make the throws that he makes. Sam mentioned they're going to be keying in on Sammy Watkins, obviously the leader in, re- in receiving yards after week one. That's going to be something that's noteworthy as well. Mikael Hardman, um, Travis Kelsey's probably going to get a lot more touches as well. The interesting thing is going to be the play of LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams, and as well as Darwin Thompson. Having those three guys, a one, two, and three punch even, going up against the Raiders team, who also has Josh Jacobs, who proved that he, he is a very versatile running back. He, he's going to be probably on this Raiders team for a while, and he's probably going to be the cornerstone of what they do moving forward. I think a big thing to watch for in this game will be the running game for Kansas City. I, I think uh, LaShawn McCoy came out last week and averaged over eight yards a carry and Damian Williams maybe didn't do as much on the ground but I mean he had he had a lot of yards through the air and he had a couple touchdowns I think uh but I think LaShawn McCoy the amount of carries they give him and if they start to integrate him more into that lead back role maybe as good as he looked last week that'll be big but yes Josh Jacobs I think will be I think that he's going to be like you said the cornerstone of this team for the future and I think he'll come out and kind of he'll get his yards and be good. I think I am picking the Chiefs, so I don't know if I said that or not. I 
I assume everybody across the panel picking the Chiefs in this one. Okay, cool. We've got our What are the Odds segment. We're going to be going over some of the stuff that happened in week one in the NFL, talking about if it's possible for that to happen again, something similar. We're going to take a look at some of the numbers as well from the first week. We'll start with the Indianapolis Colts, who we mentioned earlier had the potential to win this game early on. Adam Vinatieri missed a PAT, and he missed two field goals in the same game that goes into OT. His kicking woes, do his kicking woes continue? He's a career 98.1% PAT kicker. And he's got a career 81% field goal kicker. Is he getting to the point where I believe he's in his mid-40s? Is he going to still be that that guy that can get the job done? He's 46 right now. Is his leg getting too old? Is it starting to hit that wall? He might be starting to hit a wall now. Um, I don't think, you know, he's still in the NFL for a reason. I don't think he's going to miss two extra points or whatever he missed in every game. But I think... This is probably where we see Ben and Terry start to fall off and maybe think about retirement. I mean, he's been in the league for a long time, and he's not the guy that won the Super Bowl for the Patriots uh, against the Rams. He's, he's just not that kind of kicker anymore. And, yeah, he's got the most points in NFL history, and maybe it is time to call it a career. I think Adam Vinatieri's the – he's. I mean, he's the best kicker of all time, in my opinion, and – it over it's hard to say after one week that maybe you know will his woes continue and stuff, but I I think they will. I think I think it's, he's showing that he's 46 years old, and I mean those percentages might go down, and I think it's time for the Colts to start looking for maybe a successor, and I, I'm I think he's showing that he's 46 years old, so yeah I think they will. The big question is, and obviously he's 46, he's going to play for the Colts probably as long as he wants to, as long as he wants to before he calls it a career. Is there is there going to be a point where the Colts eventually say, "Hey, if you miss this two field goals that, that could have won us the game, we're not going to play you, and we're going to pick up someone else." That that there was a guy that was cut out in in the Jets after the first game. He was cut immediately because he just they couldn't get the job done. They stopped kicking field goals. Are we going to get to that point where where the Colts kind of say, "Hey"? This is what you need to do. This is what you're being paid to do. If you can't get the job done, we're going to get someone else that can. Yeah, I think uh, we're. I don't know if they'll ever tell him that. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell Adam Vinatieri. Yeah, you're not cutting it. I think we might get to a point where they try to rely on him less, and maybe they go forward and fourth down more often or stuff like that. But I, I don't know if there will ever be a time where they'll tell Adam Vinatieri that, hey, you can't kick for us anymore. Yeah, I agree with Brady. I don't think, you know, the, he's a legend in the NFL and especially in the Colts organization. I don't think that the Colts will ever say, hey, you can't kick for us anymore because you're not it anymore. He's He can stay on the Colts as long as he wants. Uh, but I do think maybe this past game against the Chargers opened their eyes. Like, hey, maybe we should start looking for a new kicker. And maybe they've maybe they've had conversations with Vinatieri about – you know his age and what he wants to do moving forward, but I still think he'll he could stay on the Colts until he was seventy, and they wouldn't they'd maybe still trot him out there. And the interesting thing about kickers as well, this is the only position where you can pull someone off of a practice squad and and they be one of the better players in their position. You look at Harrison Butker picked up off of the Panthers practice squad when the Chiefs needed a kicker. He comes in and I think statistically he's one of the best kickers in the league right now in terms of I think he has the record right now for the longest active made streak from a certain distance. Vinatieri's worst couple of games that he's had in his career 
1999 against Buffalo, he had four points out of out of a possible 9.84 that they gave him, a difference of about four and a half, a little over four and three quarter of points that he left out on there on board. The other game was in 1996 at Buffalo. It was another four-point game where he only scored four. Could have had a little over nine and a half. And then this game, it ranks third on his worst. He had four points in this one at a PAT as well as a field goal. He left about five and a half points on the board. That's one of his third worst career. I think this is, like what Sam said, this is going to be opening eye-opening for the Colts to say, hey, we might want to look at the practice squads, see if anybody has a kicker on there, see if we can put anybody on our practice squad that might be able to get the job done if need be. Yeah, I think kickers right now in the NFL are becoming a hotter and hotter commodity. I mean, we're, we're starting to see more and more of these kickers losing games for the team and missing PATs and field goals. I think I think it's starting to become a point where you need to have a guy that you can rely on 100% on PATs and you can trot him out there for hopefully anything inside of 50 yards for field goal. And the interesting thing, too, is that traditionally you get a kicker in the seventh round if you really need a kicker. You can pick up a kicker off the practice squad. There was a Norwegian kicker, uh, Vedvik, joined the Vikings. Baltimore traded him to the Vikings for a 2025th round pick. That's two that rounds higher up. Yeah. yeah. Traditionally, kickers are not valued that high at all, and you could still get quality players in, in the fifth round of NFL drafts. And to get a, a kicker in the fifth round, I know a couple of years ago we had a kicker, I believe, going the second round, I want to say. Yeah. I was going to say Aguayo was one of those guys. Kickers are getting to become a hotter commodity, and you look at the Bears last season in the playoffs, one kick away from from winning that game, and it's it's getting to become more and more common for teams to rely on a kicker and get a kicker early on. Yeah, I think, you know, the kicker is a hot commodity, especially with Cody Parkey, what happened, and then, you know, the Bears holding all these open tryouts to find their new kicker, and then they finally found one. And also, you know, the stuff with going on with Carly Lloyd, you know, she's fielding some NFL offers after a video of her kicking a 50-yard field goal. I yeah, I bet NFL kickers see that and say, hey, I got to step up my game. And so we'll probably see a lot better kicking in the NFL now that these kickers are becoming a hotter commodity. And you kind of have, like we've mentioned, traditionally they're not great in through the first round. Um, you want to get a kicker sooner rather than later. There's plenty of other statistics on that as well. We'll flip now into the second one of our topics here for what are the odds. We had 13 passers in the first uh, first week over 300 yards, two of whom going over 400, Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton. Do these two quarterbacks continue their, their career record essentially in terms of passing, or, or is there going to be a time where they start to slide down, come back down to earth? Does that come sooner rather than later? How high do you think that's going to be going? This is the second time for Dak going over 400, first time for Andy Dalton in his nine-year career. I think that Dak will continue this success. Uh, I think he has a better chance of going over 400 yards than Andy Dalton. I think Andy Dalton, you know, he showed out in the first game. I think he probably kind of had to to just go on, uh, show Cincinnati that he still got it and that he can still throw the ball. But Dak looked really good in this Kellen Moore offense, and I think it's only going to get better. Like Brady said earlier, Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore are probably the like that pair is probably one of the best in the NFL between quarterback and coach. Like kind of like Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid. 
you know, probably not up to that standard, but still one of the best in the NFL. So I think Dak will continue to play a lot better, and he's got a lot of weapons around him. Uh, you know, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Jason Witten, Tavon Austin, and Randall Cobb, who was a big offseason signing. So he's got the weapons to do it, so I think he will. And I'm I'm really excited to see if Dak can keep keep this up because, I mean, like – like we said, Kellen Moore and Dak are a great pairing, and he's just making it so much easier for Dak to do his job. And this is, this is probably the greatest receiving core that Dak's had in his four years. So I, I think that he can do it. I think he's got the offense. I think he's got the weapons. Andy Dalton, on the other hand, I, I, don't, know if I'll, I don't know if we can expect to see this from him more and more. I mean, he is on the hot seat, in my opinion, and he's fighting for his job. So if he does, it's for that. But I, I don't know if we'll see that. I just don't think Andy Dalton is as good of a quarterback. And I think I think so, too. I think looking at just Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton, obviously I think the majority of people would say Dak Prescott's probably the better quarterback. But you look at who these 400-yard performances were against, you have Dak Prescott doing it against the, the Giants in, in a blowout 35-17 win, good win against a not-so-great defense in the Giants. You flip it over, you look at Andy Dalton – having a 400-yard performance against Seattle Seahawks. They lose that game 21-20, but it's still Seattle. I think Andy Dalton's is, is more impressive, and moving forward, I think if anybody's going to continue to do it in a 400 range, it's probably going to be Andy Dalton. I don't think he's going to do it, though. I think if I think statistically, though, it's going to be Dak, but in terms of their overall performance, Andy Dalton had a much better performance against a better defense. I think offensively John Ross probably will not continue the the trend that he had he had seven catches for 158 yards one of them being I believe a a long screen pass CJ Uzama had a great four catch 66 yard or 66 yards receiving Tyler Boyd threw in 60 with him as well Giovanni Bernard who came in for the injured Joe Mixon once Joe Mixon comes back that offense is going to look a lot different I think that's when we'll start to see Andy Dalton kind of Come back down to earth, have 250 yards, probably three picks. Um, back to his red rifle self. Dak Prescott will probably continue the, the trend of, of 300 passing yards, but 400 will probably not happen. Is there anybody that's going to jump into that 400 400 yard mark next season? I know that wasn't really on the rundown, but is there anybody this coming week that could go into that 400 yard mark? Yeah, I think you have to throw in a name like Patrick Mahomes. The just the amount of throws that he'll have all season and then you have guys like big big ben who he's always a guy that's going to get 45 to 50 throws every game so i think i think you do have guys where you can just bet like they're going to get 400 yards every week well maybe not every week but i think that maybe those two aren't the maybe dak uh dak and any dalton aren't the two quarterbacks that are going to get there every week but i think dak could and I think, but I think guys like Patrick Mahomes and Ben Roethlisberger have better chances. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, sometime, even maybe even this week, Pat Mahomes will hit 400. Like that's just a given. He's got the weapons and the arm talent to do it. He's probably just gonna. Uh, but I think another name that we haven't mentioned is Deshaun Watson. He's got a very good receiving core in Kenny Stills, uh, Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, who is arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL, and so. He's got the weapons to do it. It's just whether his offensive line can give him enough time to pass the ball if he's going to do it. And he had a very good showing against the Saints. And I think as we continue, you know, could do it. 
and the Titans, who is in his division, don't have a very good defense. It could be a team like that where he gets 400. And I think going back to Andy Dalton here, I think a big factor in maybe his chances to keep keep this going is A.J. Green. I mean, A.J. Green, they say, they're saying he's ahead of schedule right now in his recovery, and it was expected to be six weeks. If it can get anywhere from, like, four to five, I think that – I mean – that's a if John Ross keeps going, keeps his momentum, and Tyler Boyd stays where he is, and AJ Green comes back, that's not a bad receiving core. And then you add Joe Mixon in there, I think that those are those can be the weapons to get that get that done. I don't know if Andy Dalton's the quarterback to get that done, but <laughs> you know we'll see. You look at the rest of what's going on in Week Two in the NFL. I think the only the only big name players that are that are on four hundred yard watch. Probably Philip Rivers against the Lions. I think that's one where I could see Philip Rivers getting into that 400-yard mark. Um, I think Patriots-Dolphins, obviously that's going to be one where Tom Brady probably could eclipse that 400-yard mark if they even keep him in the game that long. Um, we've mentioned Patrick Mahomes going up against the Raiders. Offensively, that's going to be a great game to watch. I think another one that's going to be interesting is Jared Goff as well as Drew Brees. I think Last year, we saw Patrick Mahomes and, and Jared Goff go head-to-head. They both threw for a Im- crazy amount of passing yards. I think Patrick probably threw for almost 500. I think Jared Goff got into the 400-yard range as well. That's going to be a great offensive game. And I think the last one that they could potentially get to a 400-yard mark, I doubt it will happen, but with all the injuries, probably Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield, given what happened last week, I think there is potential for that game depending on if C.J. Mosley and Quinn and Williams play. That's the big question. If those guys play, I don't think he does it. But if those guys don't play, Baker Mayfield could have a chance to get to that 400-yard mark. Another interesting one, I think, is the Vikings and Packers game, either Kirk Cousins or Aaron Rodgers. I think whoever's playing catch-up in that game, they might they might eclipse that mark. And I, I think it'll be the Packers, and I think Aaron Rodgers is a lot more likely to do that than Kirk Cousins. But either either one, really, I think I could see doing that. And we're talking about the trend of passers going over 400. Does the trend of almost having half of the league's quarterbacks get over 300, does that continue? I, th- I think personally it does. I Traditionally you want to get to that 300-yard mark, and teams are starting to throw the ball a lot more. They're starting to abandon the run game almost fairly early into it. We've seen a lot of teams where the run game doesn't work. All right, cool, we're going to pass the ball. We're going to abandon it. We're going to run some play action, try and confuse the defense. We're going to get a lot more passers in that 300-yard mark. Yeah, I think – sorry, Sam. I think that this trend is going to keep going because we're starting to become a passing league, and I think a lot of teams are going to that Andy Reid-style offense, like you said, where the run doesn't work. All right, fine. We can pass it. So, yeah, I, th- I think the trend will continue, and I think the bar used to more be in that 200 to 250 range. Like, that's where you had a good game. I think it's we're going to get to that point where it's 300 yards and then you had a good game. Uh, especially with the way that – teams like the Chiefs run their offenses with a lot of screen passes, jet sweeps, where, where the quarterback just flicks the ball in front of oh, them. Yeah, it makes it so and, much easier. And, and that counts as a pass as well. It's not a rush, and I think that's the interesting thing too is that Patrick Mahomes can do a little quick tip to, to Tyreek Hill or, or someone coming out of the backfield. Obviously not this week because he's out, but Sammy Watkins potentially on a, on a jet sw- uh, jet sweep um, can, can be able to get the ball real quick and – get a quick cut, he's upfield 30, 40 yards, that goes towards Patrick Mahomes' passing yards, even though all he did was a quick flick of the wrist to get the ball into his playmaker's hands. And I think that's going to be something, too, is the playbook expanding, players getting able to get their their players in open space, the screen game, as we saw with the Bengals, uh, with John Ross setting up. 
You get your players that have amazing, incredible speed. You get them in open field. Players start to make plays. Deshaun Watson, or Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Jackson, the 50-yard touchdowns he had just burns his man deep. Wide receivers are starting to make phenomenal plays on offense, and quarterbacks are starting to have the arms to, to get the ball out there. So the next one we have, we have two more here in our What Are the Odds segment. We have a scenario one this time. You're starting a franchise up. Team doesn't really matter as much. Um, but you can only use one of the top receivers from this week, Top one of the top six. You have Sammy Watkins, who led the league, or led the week, um, Michael Gallup. You have John Ross, Deshaun Jackson, Marquise Brown, or DJ Chark. You have them for just one year. Who are you going to pick and why? That way, age doesn't really matter as much because, obviously, if you're starting a franchise younger, you're not going to want to pick up a guy like Deshaun Jackson who's at the tail end of his career. But you get them for one year. Who are you going to pick and why are you going to pick that guy? I'm going to take uh, Michael Gallup because now that may be a little bit surprised because he's only 23, but he's got wide receiver one potential. Like you saw what he saw what he did last year. He showed glimpses. He showed glimpses of, of being a great wide receiver. And this year, even in just in the first game, um, even though it was against the Giants, he had seven receptions and 158 yards. I mean, it's just, I mean. He's improving, and with that, I mean, I think he's just going to improve more over the season. And since Amari Cooper's going to like be so heavily covered, draw double teams and stuff, he's going to be open. He's going to be that guy like a Calvin Ridley to a Julio Jones who will be open when uh, the top guy is not. But since we're starting a franchise, he'd be the top guy. I still think he can go up and get a jump ball if uh, someone throws it to him, and you know he's got the speed to burn guys deep. So I I take Michael Gallup. I'm actually going to take Sammy Watkins here. I I think that Sammy Watkins is starting to look like fourth overall pick Clemson Sammy Watkins, and that that may sound a little bit biased, but I think I think that that's a fair pick. I mean, there's other guys there like Hollywood Brown and. Michael Gallup and Deshaun Jackson, but I, I got to go with Sammy Watkins. I mean, he led the league in yards this week with almost 200, which is just out of this world. I'm that's stuff that that doesn't normally happen. And he had almost 10 catches, and it wasn't just like run down the field and catch these wide open 50 yard bumps from Patrick Mahomes. It was like t- take this curl route and go f- turn around, and go 50 yards, and three touchdowns. I, I got to go with Watkins after his Week One performance. I'm sticking with that, but I'm picking the other side of the ball. I, I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm picking DJ Chark. He's six foot four, little under two hundred pounds. Still runs a a four three four forty. He's a fast guy. He's got the size. He can get those jump balls. He had only four catches, so we've seen a small sample size of of what he can do. But he had Gardner Minshew that was throwing to him. Obviously, he had that touchdown from Nick Foles, but he had Gardner Minshew for the, for the majority of that game. And DJ Chark, he's getting more clean with his route running. It, he looked like a top-caliber type of receiver. And seeing that week-to-week, we'll obviously have to wait. But DJ Chark, for me, looked like he, he was a little bit better of a receiver in terms of the other names that are on there. John Ross, the screen pass, took a lot of that, the bulk of his yardage. Deshaun Jackson having two catches of over 50-yard touchdowns, I believe. That took a lot out of it as well. Marquise Brown only played 12 snaps. Talk about a small sample size. That's about as small as it gets. <laughs> but he, he made do with it with the time that he had. He had four catches, a, a little over a, a buck fifty, I believe two touchdowns as well for, for Marquise Hollywood Brown. 
that's going to be a name to look forward to going up. DJ Chark, though, for me, is going to be the guy that I would pick. There are only three things that are certain in life. Death, taxes, and our lock of the week. Take it away, guys. And we're back here on Day-to-Day Picks. Andrew Botwinick, Sam Steinmeier, and Brady Archer. We have just a few more minutes here uh, before we send it over to Drop in Dimes. We have our lock of the weeks, though, so go ahead and we'll start us off with Sam. Who's your lock of the week this week? My lock of the week is Michigan State over the Arizona State Sun Devils. They are a 15-point favorite. I just think Michigan State, they have a very good defense, only giving up 216 yards um, in their first two games. They have... uh, they have played lower competition, Western Michigan and Tulsa, so this is their first Power 5 matchup, but I think Michigan State at home pulls it out. And my lock of the week is going to be Virginia over Florida State. And, I mean, Virginia's a 7.5-point favorites right now, and I just think Florida State hasn't came off very strong yet. They They lost to Boise State in Week 1, and then... They played a close game with Louisiana Monroe, won 45-44. And Virginia, on the other hand, they haven't had the a strong schedule either by any means, but they went to Pitt, and they won by two scores, and they played William & Mary last week and won 52-17. And uh, Cam Akers is good. He's a good running back for Florida State, but aside from him, I, I think Virginia's just got the better team here. And we'll flip back to Florida State and Virginia. I want to get into Sam's first, though. Michigan State has kind of struggled a little bit early on, maybe not offensively as well as you as well as you would want a Michigan State team to play historically, at least. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, th- I think that the Sun Devils probably are not a team that that you want to look for. Michigan State opened up the season against Tulsa, twenty-eight seven win obviously cleaned it up a lot better against uh, Western Michigan, 51-17. Obviously, that's more of a game that you want, expect a Michigan State team to play. Arizona State, like like traditionally Sam has picked, <laughs> a, very, a very conservative game, and I'm sticking to the same trend as that whenever I give mine. But, yeah, I, I think Michigan State has a nice win, and I think they probably win by more than 15. I would probably pick with that spread. Yeah, and I mean that's all part of the reason. Mostly, I pit them because uh, their defense, you know, that that Big Ten defense, is obviously going to be really good. Their offense has shown some struggles, but I think the defense is a big part of why I'm picking them. Yeah, whether you whether you like to watch Big Ten defense or not, I think uh, Michigan State and teams like that in the Big Ten are always going to have always going to have that in favor of them. That defense. And we'll flip back to to Brady's pick. Picking Virginia, number 25. They just slid into the top 25, taking on Virgi- or Florida State. Um, Florida State is not the team that we've seen in the past decade or so. I they've kind of felt they've kind of fallen off the map. They they lost Jameis Winston to the draft, obviously. Since then, they they really haven't been in the spotlight. Really, they, they lost to Boise State to start the season, 36-31. Boise State makes a phenomenal comeback. They get a close win in overtime against LA Monroe, as you mentioned. That's not a good look to have for for a team like Florida State, who's supposed to be at the at the higher caliber, one of the the more elite schools. Yeah, and I'm looking at Florida State. They've given up 520 yards per game, 324 uh, in the air, and 196 on the ground, and that's not going to get it done any day of the week, no matter who you're playing. And especially against a power five like Virginia, they've had 410 yards total offense uh, in their games. So 
I mean, I think that's a very lock, Virginia over Florida State. I, I would agree with that too. Did you say you you had the spread for that game or? Yeah, uh, Virginia is a seven and a half point favorites right now. I, I would agree with that, and I would probably take Virginia by a little bit more than that, even too. I think for mine, I'm sticking with the trend of picking a team that's already favored. I'm going to pick Oklahoma State over Tulsa. We talked about Tulsa a little on earlier, uh, giving Michigan State a run for their money. I don't think that's going to be the case here. Oklahoma State started off their season against Oregon State, uh, won 52-36. They play McNeese State the week after, won that game 56-14. Now they play a Tulsa team. I think the trend of 50 points a game is probably more than likely going to happen. I think on offense you have Spencer Sanders, uh, Drew Brown getting into the mix the last week as well. You even have the fourth-string quarterback, Sean Taylor, uh, getting in there as well. Spencer Sanders doing it on the ground as well, 12 carries, 51 yards. Chuba Hubbard, who was leading after the first week, had over 200 yards rushing, comes back, eight touches, 44 yards, and a touchdown for him. Uh, Didn't get as much done in the receiving game for Chuba, but I think Tulsa probably is not going to stand much of a chance here. Oklahoma State is is a 15-point favorite. It is what it opened up as. I think they win by a lot more than 15, and I think it's probably going to be more towards that 30 mark. Yeah, it's uh, gone down to a 14-point favorite for Oklahoma State now, but I agree. Oklahoma State's put up 576.5 yards per game in their offense, 308 in the air, and, I mean, they are giving up 383, but that's that's just the name of the game with the bid 12 defenses. Tulsa's given up 325.5 yards per game, so I think that... Oklahoma State will win. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you here. I think Oklahoma State's going to get this one done. I think they cover. I think guys like Tylen Wallace and Chuba Hubbard are just going to be too much for that Tulsa defense. And Oklahoma State, just overall, there's just a better team. So, yeah, I think they cover, and I think think they cover by quite a bit. 